All right, good morning, everybody. Big thanks to Lori for making that announcement. Hope you're doing well. Hey, how many of you, when you, you know, at some point in your life had to get glasses or contacts? Any of you? Come on, I see people with glasses not raising their hand right now. <laughs> That's you. So if that's you, you've had a moment similar to me. I, I got my first pair of glasses. I think it was like my first year of college. And I remember going to the optometrist and they said I need a, prescri a prescription and I can't let anything touch my eyes so I can't do contacts. So I've always had glasses. So I put the glasses on for the first time and I walked out of the optometrist place, the eyeglasses place, and it was, it was amazing. It was like the whole world, it had, it had dimension. It was like 3D, leaves were green and like just so beautiful. And I was just in such, oh, I walked around for an hour in total shock and awe at the fact that I could see again. Billboards, I could read them. I mean, there were so many things that I didn't realize had become blurry, that when I could see clearly, it was remarkable. But then what happens is over time as you get older, you eventually, things start to get blurry again. <laughs> Your eyesight starts to change. And I remember I went back to the optometrist and, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. You know, when things are up close, I have to take my glasses off because they get in the way, right? But when things are far away, like here, I have to put my glasses on so that I can see them. And so I walk around all the time, taking my glasses off, putting them on. Anybody feel me right now? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, off on, off on, off on, off on. It's driving me crazy. And she looks at me and she goes, well, it's normal for someone your age. She was like 12, you know, I'm like, seriously? And so we were talking, and, and, and I, said, I said, well, what, what do I do? She goes, you need these things called progressive lenses. I'm like, progressive lenses? You know, is that like bifocals with a line through the middle? Because listen, lady, I'm not doing the line. You know, I'll just walk around. I'll walk around like my other friends, like some of you that have needed glasses for years but don't get them, right? Because you think it's going to make you look old or whatever. And so, you know, you get the text message on your phone and it's blown up to like 800 point font, uh, font, font and, and you can read it across the room. You know what I'm saying? Some of you, you know who you are. You, uh, you get menus. I have a friend of mine. I won't name any names, Pastor Mike Bodine, who... Um, <laughs> Man, he goes to restaurants and literally will hand me the menu. Hey, can you read that off the menu for me? I'm like, get some glasses, bro. Break down and do it. Anyway, there are those of you that just don't, you don't, you don't get glasses. But I said, okay, I'll try progressive lenses. So I got these progressive lenses that at the bottom have no prescription. And then at the top, I can see, you know, far away with the help of glasses. And it's amazing, but now I'm the old guy that looks like this at everything. I'm walking around like this, but at least I can see it. Seeing clearly is a gift. Seeing clearly is amazing. And not just uh, in our eyesight, but seeing clearly in our life and seeing clearly as a family, that's important. And I wanna talk to you today about having 20-20 vision when it comes to our church community, who we are as a faith community and where we're going. I wanna talk about seeing the future clearly because here's what I can promise you for uh, us as individuals and for us as a church, if you don't aim at anything, <laughs> you're for sure not going to hit the bullseye. If, uh, if you don't know where you're going, you might eventually get to your destination, but it's going to take you a lot longer than if you have a clear sense of where you're going and how you're trying to get there. I mean, it's Super Bowl weekend, so some of you, you're going you're to cheer for the Chiefs, some of you are going to cheer for the 49ers, some of you are cheering for the commercials, right? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, there's nobody's cheering for the Cowboys. That's right. No doubt. Um, but, you know, those two teams had a, 
had a strategy and they had a vision at the beginning of the season. The Cowboys had one too, but not every strategy and vision works. Anyway, they, they, had, they had a strategy and a vision. They had a game plan. They didn't get there by accident, right? They didn't just, sh- no, the teams that make it to the Super Bowl don't just rock up like, wow, how did this happen? It's not like fantasy football. I remember years ago, I got in this fantasy football league uh, with some people in the church and I, I thought it was gonna be great, but I was too busy on the weekends with all the things going on and I never updated my fantasy football roster ever. I like went to the draft party, you know, woo, draft party. I drafted my team. I didn't know what I was doing. And then I put all my team in uh, on the computer, you know, and then I never opened it again. And we, when the playoffs hit, people were coming up to me going, hey man, congratulations. Congratulations. I'm like, what? I not only went to the playoffs, I won the playoffs. I never changed my team once. I went all the way to the fantasy football Super Bowl against Mike Bodine, and I had never changed anybody on my team. I lost the Super Bowl. But listen, real football is not like that. They had a strategy. They have a game plan. They're modifying. They're adjusting. They're working hard to move somewhere together as a team. And I want to talk to you about how we do that together as a church. I would say our vision, our mission is simply this. We'll bring it on the screen. To introduce people to Jesus and help them follow him. That's all that we're trying to do as a church and as a church family. We want to introduce people to Jesus and help them follow him. And notice, it's not we just we want to introduce people to Central. No, no. We want to introduce people to Jesus, right? Because he's the hope of the world. And we want to help people follow him. Here's what, um, here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 19, so good. Um, He says, uh, let's bring it up on the screen. We get to the red words, read them out loud here with me. It says, for the Son of Man came to what? Seek and save, you see that? To seek and save the lost. To seek and save those who are spiritually lost or confused, those who have lost their their spiritual sight, those who are wandering, and to help them come home to God. Jesus did a lot of things. He healed. He taught. uh, He he, uh, raised up leaders. He connected them. He empowered teams. He released them. He did a lot of different things. But Jesus fundamentally, in everything he did, he was about seeking and saving those who were far from God to reconnect them with a relationship with God. And that's who we are as a church family. We've embraced that as our mission, as our purpose. And um, if I was to put it in one word, just one word, I would say this word, rescue. We are a rescuing community. We rescue people into a life-giving relationship with God so they can experience forgiveness, hope, meaning, purpose, healing, restoration in their life. We are about the rescue. And so... That's our mission. That's our mission. Because if you've been kind of hanging around Central, coming a little bit, maybe this is the first time you've ever walked in, I want everybody who considers this their church to understand clearly who we are and who we're not, what we're about and what we're not about. Listen, you come to Central, you're gonna hear me talk about Jesus every weekend. You will never hear me talk about politics. And I'll tell you why. Because that's not who we are. Because we got all political beliefs just on the row right around you. But Jesus transcends all of that. And he'll be here when our parties that we're so passionate about are all gone. And he's been here before. He'll be here after. There are things that are more important. I'm not saying that stuff doesn't matter. 
But I want you to know, when you come here, we focus on the things that I believe are more important, that are eternal, that point people to Jesus and his love. The greatest political act is a changed heart. And God does that in our lives. So what's our game plan? Right, what's our game plan? If our mission is, is to introduce people to Jesus and help them follow him, like what's the game plan to get to victory? How do we win the spiritual Super Bowl? Well, I wanna suggest to you that our game plan is four simple steps that we believe if all of us that love this faith community could engage in in our personal lives, it'll not only help us grow personally in our family and as individuals, but it'll help us as a church to make an even greater impact for God and for good. And these four simple steps, this simple strategy would basically look like this. Let me just walk through this. The first step is attend the weekend to experience God, which you've already done, well done. Uh, the second is to invite a friend to share hope. The third is to take a next step, we'll talk about this, to follow Jesus. And the fourth is to give generously to rescue others. And we basically feel like if we as a church family will all engage in attending the weekend in inviting a friend, in taking next steps spiritually in our lives, and being generous with what God blesses us with, then we will empower our church community to continue to grow and thrive and take next steps, introducing people to Jesus and helping them follow him. This is our simple game plan for victory. So let's unpack it. First one is simply this, attend the weekend to experience God. Um, listen, I, I understand we live in a culture that uh, more and more is a stay-at-home kind of culture. I mean, after work and after all the dust settles, you know, it used to be if you wanted to watch a movie, you'd have to get in your car. You'd have to go to a place called Blockbuster. You'd have to walk in. You'd have to walk aisles. You'd have to rent things. And then the next day, you'd have to take them back, right? And now if you want to watch a movie, you just stream it, right? You know, right there on your computer, your iPad, your phone, whatever. I mean, we used to live in a day when you're making a recipe and you ran out of certain food items. You'd have to get in your car, go to the grocery store real quick, you know, turn everything on low till you got back and then hurry back, you know, and put it. And now you just like, well, it's Amazon Prime. There we go. Just deliver. Do I want it in 30 minutes or an hour? Right? You used to have to go to Sears. Remember Sears? I remember going to Sears with my mom, man. It was like going to Sears. <laughs> Sears is gone. <laughs> you just order that stuff online and it just gets delivered right to your front door. It's a stay-at-home culture. But when it comes to our spiritual life, I believe we need to do more than just stay at home. There is something that happens when we come together in community and we experience God together. There is something that happens when people pray for us on a weekend or we pray for somebody else. There's something that happens when you get up and you get ready and you get in your car and you go to church. You're actually declaring a message every weekend. You're declaring it to your neighbors, even if you don't think they're watching, to your friends, to your family, to your kids, to your grandkids, to people you don't even know. You're saying, I'm a believer. I trust God. I put real action to my faith, I'm gonna get in my car and go to church. You're making a statement in your life. Now I know coming to church on the weekend can be one of the most stressful times of the week, especially if you got kids and a family, right? Some of the worst fights in families happen on the way to church. Right, I mean, you're going, people going after it, people getting, then you pull on the church property, you know, and you're like, all right, everybody shut up. 
We will resume after church. Everybody put their church face on now. Be nice and civil. I understand it, it can be hard and challenging and sometimes you get up and you just don't wanna go and I have the same experience uh, here and there but here's what I'll tell you and I think you'll agree with this. I never leave church and I am not grateful that I made the effort to come, right? And so it's a discipline we engage in our lives and it's powerful and it's important. You can watch church online and I hope when you're out of town or you're tied up at work or whatever that you do that. But I wanna encourage you to realize the power of just being in community with other people. The power of making that extra effort. And that's why uh, to those who are watching online, maybe in different regions, we've got all across the country things that are starting called watch parties where people will invite friends and others uh, into their homes and watch the service online together because again, you're getting that community, you're getting some of those needs filled in your life, you're having people that can pray for you and with you, that can encourage you, that can mentor you in your life and that's important for us. Jesus said when uh, two or more are gathered in his name, that he is there. And so there is power in attending, even though we're in a culture that is more and more a stay-at-home culture. There's power in making the effort. Hebrews 10, 24 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the what? Habit of doing. Some people in the ancient world 2,000 years ago were already in the habit of not meeting together. And so the writer of Hebrews is like, hey, let's not get in the habit of not meeting together. Habits have a tendency to define where we're headed in life, don't they? I mean, I, 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 I've talked to so many people over the years. I say, hey, man, I haven't seen you in church in a while. Oh, yeah, you know, I just, I just haven't been there. And so often the people that I, that I love, that I interact with over the years that sort of drop out of attending church, they, didn't, they weren't mad. Most of them weren't hurt. Most of them, they're just busy. They're going through their own stuff in life like things are coming at them. It's crazy, right? Some of them are in their own sort of personal crisis and in and, and all of that, they just kind of stopped making that effort. They got easily distracted and then a month goes by, then two months goes by, and then, then six months goes by and, Listen, I have almost never met a person who told me, hey, I've stopped attending church, but I am growing in my faith like, like never before. I'm so dialed in spiritually, the Holy Spirit, man, wakes me up in the morning. I don't even use my alarm. I float through the day. I, I just never met that person. Now, I have met people who've told me they've stopped going to church and it hasn't made a difference in their life, but here's what I've seen over time is that after one year and two years and three years, it starts to make a big difference in their life and it's rarely a positive one. There are something about the habits and what we expose ourselves to on a regular basis that can be very powerful for our personal and spiritual development. So I wanna commend you for being here in church and I wanna challenge you, attend, Every weekend you can live. Make it a discipline, make it a habit. And not just for what you can get out of it, right? Not just for what, I have people, friends of mine text me, hey, are you speaking this weekend? Like, I'm not telling you. <laughs> Why don't you come to church whether I'm speaking or not because you go to church for Jesus. <laughs> Boom, mic drop. 
Mic drop, right? See, our, our church attendance is about something bigger than, than all of that. It's about our commitment to God and to one another. I need you here. I need you to root and say, this is my church and this is my faith community and I'm gonna own it. I need you to do that. So, attend the weekend to experience God. Second part of our strategy, if we're gonna uh, um, pull on the same rope together, is simply this, to invite a friend to share hope. You know, when I was growing up, um, I had to ride the school bus to school and I'd get on the bus and we were, I was about an hour uh, ride to get from my house to the school. And so I was kind of this stoner kid. I was a mess. I was caught up in drugs and all this stuff. And there was this guy named Steve. We always picked him up on the way to school. I was, my family was more of a stable family. My parents were still together. We were kind of middle class, um, stable. But this friend of mine, Steve, that we picked up, uh, he was always bouncing around. And for a while, he was uh, living in a very dilapidated um, trailer home that was kind of out in an open field with a family member or a friend. I'm not sure who it was. But Steve and I couldn't have been from different places. I'm from a middle-class home, but I'm rebellious and crazy and strung out on drugs and doing all this stuff. He's from a rough situation, wore a tie to high school. Hello. <laughs> right? He's trying, he's already trying to change his destiny. He'd get on the school bus with a briefcase. And I didn't know anything, I was just a punk, but I'd sit back there like, weirdo. <laughs> briefcase and a tie. Steve would tell me, because we got to know each other over the years, he'd say, hey man, praying for you. And I remember in the moment I'm like, stop. <laughs> right, hey man. You ever want to go to church? Just let me know. I, I you know, I, I can get you there. Hey, just checking on you. How you doing? And this, this went on for years. And at first, I wasn't very receptive. I wasn't leaning in. And when I finally came to the end of myself, I didn't really go have a conversation with Steve. But it's interesting. I ended up in church in a Bible study that was Steve's Bible study. I'm so thankful God brought Steve into my life that he was willing to be weird enough to let me know periodically, not all the time, that he was praying for me, that he was willing to be that guy to say, hey, if you're ever ready, I'd love to, I'd love to take you to church. I'm so thankful for him, and I wanna be Steve for somebody else. And I wanna encourage you, you've got that person in your life, you know, be that person for somebody else. Uh, here's what 2 Corinthians 5, 16 says. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to what? Persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're here to try to persuade people to get right with God. And a simple, kind of easy way to do that is to walk around and be ready for when God gives you an opportunity to invite people to come along to church. Invite them, invite a friend to share your hope. And I do this every week. This past week, um, 
I invited a couple different people. I was talking to this one lady, this is funny, and uh, she somehow the conversation kind of opened up and I just said, well, do you ever go to church? She goes, you know, I've been trying to find a church, but I haven't really found the right church. I said, have you ever heard of a church called Central? She goes, yeah, I've gone to Central once. <laughs> she didn't recognize me. <clears throat> I, maybe I wasn't around that weekend. Or maybe it was a very unmemorable message, I don't know. But anyway, I'm standing there and I said, um, I said, well, what'd you think? And she goes, oh, Central? I said, yeah, what'd you think? She goes, oh, it was a little much. <laughs> it was great. Um, <laughs> hey, I get it. It can be. Sometimes it's a little much for me. I'm okay. That's okay. <laughs> and so I, uh, I took that moment to say, you know what? There's some great churches in town. And I began to tell her about several great churches that she could attend, that she could go to. Because it's not all about kind of getting people to our thing. It's about helping people connect with Jesus in their life and grow in their faith. And um, so that was one moment, one moment of invite, right? Another one was a guy I was talking to that had, was just trying to find a home here and he's planning to move. Uh, he was a principal in Compton and, and is now relocating to Las Vegas. We start talking life and stuff and music and he's playing his music for me on his phone and I'm listening in, it's got a gospel feel to it. I'm like, hey man, have you ever been in the church world? You know, like this has got kind of a gospel flair to it. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, I used to be a worship leader, whatever. So I got to invite him to Central. And that's just a moment. And I think if you will start praying that God will give you an opportunity to invite someone along, you'll be surprised at the doors God opens. If you'll be curious when you talk to other people to ask them questions about their life and genuinely care about what's happening in their life, you'll start to see opportunities. I often ask people like, where you're from? Uh, how long you've been here? Which team are you cheering for? You know, just people love talking about themselves. Come on. And so you give somebody an opportunity to talk. I mean, I was always taught a successful lunch was the lunch where you're the first one done eating because the other person's doing all the talking and you're doing the listening. You ever thought about that? Every now and then I'll look down and uh, you know, my plates, everybody's plate's empty and mine's full, and I know that means I, I wouldn't be quiet the whole meal. <laughs> but it's a powerful thing when you shift your perspective onto other people and say, what can I learn here? What can I, you know, what, what, what can I discover? And you might find an opportunity to just say, hey, have you ever gone to church or would you ever be open to coming to church? Hey, come along with me. God can use that in a powerful way. Invite a friend to share hope. Third area is this, take a next step to follow Jesus. Take a next step to follow Jesus. Um, over the years in ministry, I've heard people say things like this. Uh, people that are a part of the church family, they say, oh, you know what, I, I, I just feel like I'm not being fed right now. Or I just feel like, you know, the weekend teaching isn't deep enough for me right now. I just feel like the music isn't speaking to me right now. And, and um, every pastor that I know, in every church, in every state, in every city, everywhere, no matter the style, has heard that. Because there's a restlessness in us as human beings, right? I think we all feel it. And we go through spiritual seasons, ups and downs. But I think sometimes the temptation when we, if you haven't felt that way, you will eventually on your spiritual journey. Sometimes the temptation in that moment is to blame the church or to blame the pastor, and to think if I just had a different church and a different pastor, those spiritual needs in my life would be met. But I wanna suggest that while that might be the case, 
Don't go there immediately. People go there immediately like, oh, you know what? I just, we gotta find another church. And so here's what happens is they'll leave one church and go to another church and they'll stay there two or three or four years until all those feelings start to emerge again and then they leave and go to another church and they're there two or three or four years, right? And then they leave and go to another church two or three or four years and they're church dating. But they don't ever get married. Nobody putting a ring on it, right? They're just bouncing around to different places without commitment. But there is a blessing that you can only experience in your life through a long-term commitment. Let me tell you, I've had lots of opportunities to pastor in other places. I've had lots of opportunities to go other places, and I may have been tempted in different times to think other places will be easier, other, right, you know, like we all do. But I am so glad 16 and a half years, I sunk roots. I stayed when it was hard, when I wanted to give up, when I wanted to quit, when people left, when people, there is a blessing I experience now because I stayed. I didn't see, see it then, but now I see it. Now they're gonna have to drag me away dead, I think. You know, like, you're not gonna get rid of me now, so sorry. But I say all that to say, there is a blessing being part of a church family when you stay. And I'm telling you as your pastor, I need some people who are with me in this valley, in this church, who put some roots down, who say, we're gonna stay. Now, you might find that you go through seasons where certain things aren't speaking to you the way they used to, where you start to feel disconnected from God spiritually. And I wanna encourage you to look in the mirror before you look at somebody else. Look in the mirror and ask yourself, are there next steps that you need to take spiritually that can help you grow? Part of growing as a person of faith is this. You move from being a child, right, when you first come to faith, the Bible uses this image like a, a baby, you know, and babies, I remember I used to feed our kids, i get the little spoon out and be like, ooh, here comes a plane, you know, plane's coming in, plane's coming in, open up, ah, woo. That's how we start. But there comes a time, if you're gonna grow, that you gotta learn to use that fork. You gotta learn to use your own knife. You gotta cut your own food. You have to spiritually feed yourself. And sometimes you got to look in the mirror and not blame your church, not blame the pastor, not blame the, you just got to look in the mirror and go, all right, what's the next step that I need to do in my own spiritual life so that I can keep growing? And sometimes God calls people to churches. Sometimes God calls people through churches. I understand that. I have people I love that have left over the years. I, I, I love you no matter what, but don't go there first. Go there after you've taken a lot of spiritual steps in your life. Um, and so here's what Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 says. It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Work hard, he says, for God is what? Working in you. So you work hard and God's working in you. That's a cool paradox, right? Like we work hard, but God's working in us. He's giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Sometimes we feel like we're not learning and we're not growing and God isn't working in our lives because we need to take some next steps personally. 
Maybe we need to forgive somebody because that bitterness has started to cloud our spiritual kind of perception in our lives. Maybe we need to open up our Bible ourselves personally. Listen, if you feel like, I don't know, I'm just not being fed, but you don't open your Bible personally between Sunday and and, uh, the next Sunday, then you're not gonna feel fed ultimately no matter where you go until you learn to feed yourself, right? Um, so maybe it's kind of, go to the Bible app. There's, all, there's thousands of free devotional plans that you can take from a few minutes a day to an hour a day, whatever you wanna do. I've got some devotional plans on there for free. Lori's got some devotional plans on there for free. All kinds of resources available to you. Or go to our website. We partner with a group called Right Now Media. And Right Now Media has hundreds of DVD studies and Bible studies. and all. It's all there for the taking. Content is everywhere. You and I just have to be willing to engage it in our spiritual lives. First step is an opportunity for you. If you've never sort of jumped in to learn the basics of being part of our church family and the Christian faith, um, and we do that seminar on a monthly basis, so keep your eye out for that. Um, Central Academy could be a great opportunity for some of you where you go all the way into like college level study of the Bible, theology, all of that. It's available to you. Um, A small group, community group could be available. Joining a team where you serve back and give to others could be a part of the, I don't know what your next step is, but if you start feeling disconnected, start thinking about how you can own that and take some next steps spiritually so you'll grow. If we're all taking the appropriate next steps to follow Jesus, then we'll all be growing as individuals. If we're growing as individuals, we'll be growing as a church community. And then give generously to rescue others. Pastor David gave a great message about this last weekend, but all I would say is this. We give generously, I give generously as an individual part of this church, and then our church is called to give generously to our community. We're we're all blessed to be a blessing. I feel like as God blesses the people in our church, as our church are generous to the church, now it's the church's responsibility to be generous to the community. And so I'm celebrating some things like sponsoring 15,800 plus kids this Christmas and uh, making a difference in their lives. I got to baptize somebody last night and uh, it was awesome because in the, they they didn't tell me this, but a friend of theirs told me this, that they ultimately, they go on a Christmas trip every year, and uh, this individual is having a huge spiritual reawakening in his life, coming to faith. It's awesome, and he's very emotional at his baptism, all that God has done. But they always go on a Christmas trip every year. This year, they decided to not go on a Christmas trip, and they took all that money that they would have spent on the Christmas trip, and they sponsored kids through our Hope for Kids initiative. And what's cool is just being around the city. They actually know a family that we as a church helped that Christmas. And so not only did they make real sacrifices to give generously, they got to see firsthand the impact that that had in somebody else's life. That's awesome. And God calls us to be generous. Acts 20, 35, it's more blessed to, uh, let's bring it up, there it is. It's more blessed to what? To give than to receive, that's where the greatest blessing is for us as individuals and for us as a church. So we wanna keep giving so that we can keep dreaming, so that we can keep impacting more and more people. So we can go from sponsoring 15,000 kids to 100,000 kids one day. So we can go from being the largest food pantry in uh, Southern Nevada and now in Nevada to even the largest food pantry this part of the world as we spread out into different locations. 
so that we can make a difference in marriages, people dealing with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. People can experience hope in their life. Listen, I'm celebrating some things. Last year was the third year in a row that we had over 12,000 people um, give their lives to Christ across all of our ministry. Uh, last year was the second year in a row over 3,000 people took a step of baptism in their life. Um, all the work that God's doing through our prison work, all of that is directly connected to your generosity and my generosity. And as we're generous, it empowers the church to be generous and it's, it brings it all the way back around. So thank you for that. Give generously, invite a friend, keep taking next steps in your life spiritually, attend the weekend, be a part. And I think if we will engage that game plan, God can use it in powerful ways. It was a tough week for a lot of people I know that uh, many of us were rocked uh, last Sunday by the passing of Kobe Bryant and just um, trying to process through what that means. A lot of people were raised on Kobe. A lot of people, uh, whether they ever met him or not, had a relationship <laughs> through television and through sports. There's a lot you could say about Kobe Bryant today, but I saw a guy on social media say something right after his death, about 24 hours later, and I thought it was really powerful. I just want to read it to you. He says, something happened, America, and I don't want you to miss it. In the last 24 hours, I quietly watched people of every race, religion, economic background, college grads and people who barely got out of high school, scientists and bricklayers, Wall Street types and the guy who changes your oil. The family in the most expensive mansion in town and the folks living in a public house. All of them sharing a moment of grief for Kobe Bryant. All of them stopping what they were doing when they heard the news and sharing a gut punch moment of dread. A feeling that this couldn't have just happened. Not him, not Kobe. I know we are a divided nation right now. I get it. But please don't feel the divide is so great that we can't bridge it. We can, we do, we will. And all the panels of talking heads on the alphabet soup of cable news can't turn us against each other. Don't let them. We really do have more in common than we think. We all love and lose and hurt no matter our zip code or who we voted for. This loss should remind us how much we do share. And in this moment, I see a nation sharing grief for nine innocent people. There is no sense to why this happened, but we can find purpose in the loss. Something happened in America, and I don't want you to miss it. We love each other. Kobe proved it. And friends, I think if Kobe was on this platform today, he would say the real person that proved it was Jesus Christ. And he proved it when he gave his life for us. He proved it when he forgave us, despite our sins and our failures. And friends, we prove it every weekend when we come together. Listen, you could find a church that looks more like you. You go find a church where everybody votes the way you vote. You can find a church where everybody's the same color you are. You can find a church where everybody comes from the same background that you do. 
But you know, I think heaven's gonna look a lot more like this. And when I think of what Jesus did and what Jesus gave for us, we give a powerful message when we show up and sit next to people different than we are, but united at the foot of the cross. Nobody better than anybody else. Nobody proud or arrogant. All of us sinners in need of the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ. All of us full of mistakes, full of things we need to learn, but all of us so thankful for the grace and the, God, the, grace and the goodness that God has already given us. That's the church. That's what we get to be a part of. Jesus called us together to be unified in him. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never crossed that line of faith and I'd love to give you that opportunity just to reach out to God and trust him in your life. So if you're ready to be a follower of Jesus today, would you just repeat this simple prayer after me, opening your heart to God, asking him to move in your life. Would all of you bow your heads and close your eyes? Just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. And help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. And friends, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just slip your hand in the ear. Just make eye contact with me just to say before God and to say to me, you're going to follow him in your life today. Slip your hand in the air. God bless you guys. God bless you. Reach out to him today. Thank you. God, I thank you for each person just reaching out to you. I pray you fill their life with your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for all that you provide for us each day. We give you praise. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So if you made a spiritual commitment in your life just now, I want to tell you congratulations. I'm thrilled for you. And uh, in just a moment after service, I want to encourage you to swing by our New Beginnings area under either one of our screens or on the way back. We'd love to give you some resources. But for now, I'm going to ask you all to stand and uh, put your hands together as Pastor Nick comes and shares a final thought with us. Central, do we have an incredible visionary leader and our senior pastor? Come on. So good. Hey, just a couple things, less than 60 seconds because there's a lot of next steps. If you are a parent that wants to sign their kid up for camp, if you're a woman in the room that wants to sign up for the Refresh Conference in March, outside all of our exits in our lobby are areas to go and talk to people and make a next step there. If you heard something that Judd said today that you wanna take a next step, whether it's giving generously, whether it's joining a team and serving, joining a group, joining First Step, start inviting. You can do all of that in the lobby at our next step area. They can help equip you or answer any questions you have. And finally, if it's just attending the weekend and showing up back next week, Pastor Judd has an incredible message, incredible new start to a series. So get back with us. But between now and then, hold on to Romans 8. If God is for us, who could be against us? Keep showing up.